Watch out for the hole. What hole? Watch out for the portable hole. Rock out to the portable hole. Watch out for the portable hole. Rock out to the portable hole. To episode one of the Portable Hole Podcast. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, aka Chef Sonic. And I'm your old pal Cynic. So th- this has been a, a rebrand of a rebrand, uh, it seems, uh, of the podcast, <laughs> but I'm here with uh, two really good friends and people who I've done countless podcasts with um, over the years. So it's kind of cool to to get them on the same show together. This is the first time you've, you guys have been on the same show together, right? Yes. Agreed. So, yeah, so so this podcast, uh, you know, what's interesting is we've been trying to define it and figure out what it was. And Justin had an interesting idea, which is for for what, what was it that that we all kind of say what we expect of it? Was yeah. that it? So I guess, Justin, tell me, what, what do you think this podcast is or is going to be? Well, what I was hoping for and what I imagined was to take many of the things that we love that are sort of part of our, uh, dare I say the word, culture, um, geeky culture, pop culture, or, or whatever you want to call it, and to discuss and analyze uh, those things. I think we we come from a, uh, a background where we like, we have a certain sensibility, we like a, a certain type of show, um, certain types of music, certain types of movies um, that all have this aesthetic. And, and granted, it's it's fairly broad, but it does kind of fall under this umbrella. And I think that people that are also into that will get it, right? It It's um, basically get our perspective where we're coming from, what we grew up with, what we like. And yeah, basically want to discuss those things because it's part of our lives. It's part of our identity. Well, firstly, Ryan and Justin, I'm happy and proud to be invited to be part of a portable hole that won't get me arrested or broken (laughs) up with. So that's a start. And I agree with you. One of the things when we used to do Cynic, and we probably will again, was people would come up to me and say, I don't have this type of uh, conversations with people. So listening to you guys makes me feel part of it. Like uh, I have a voice in it all. And when you're in a group or a fandom, it's almost like you're speaking your own language because you could go on and on for hours and people wouldn't know what you're talking about. So to bring those people in is a great thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I, I totally... You, well, I mean, I agree with both, what both of you guys say. I, I like... <laughs> um, you know, it's very easy, uh, I think, in life, and especially like as you get older and, and responsibilities, to kind of very, very easily get trapped in your own world. And, and I love kind of... I love hanging out with my friends and I love talking with my friends about stuff I like. And, uh, you know, I find it's hard to, <laughs> unless I schedule time to podcast. So, yeah, I know. So that's, for me, that, that's part of it. Oh, it's yeah, like, part is just like, hey, I want to hang out with my friends. And uh, and, and it is nice, to, you know, being a big fan and kind of consumer of podcasts, I, you know, that, that fly on the wall aspect of it is is great. And it's cool just because there's so much interesting stuff to talk about, um, whether it's, and, and I think what I like about this, you know, what we'll try to try to do is, you know, we, I think we're big fans of, of pop culture um, and geek culture and movies and TV and things that occur, but there's also so much nostalgia built into our lives now oh, that I think nostalgia. it's interesting to look back, take a look back, and, and as we'll talk about in one of today's news stories, um, you know, just things that we grew up with and and how you know what's old is new, and how something that's 30 years old practically can can reinvent itself and, and become you know massive and um, newsworthy. And yeah, I'm just I'm glad to you know do this with you guys. You know, it's, it's this is this is going to be a lot of fun, and um, I'm. Super excited for this. So uh, let's get, we'll get right to it. So the first thing I wanted to talk about, um, I, I have not podcasted with either of you guys in, in quite some time. Uh, what, uh, uh, Cynic, what have you been watching recently? What's what's kind of caught your eye? Well, what I've been watching is uh, I went back, um, new relationship, which turned into a new marriage, which turned into rewatching just about everything over mm-hmm. again because she'd barely seen anything before we we started dating. So we recently delved into Fargo and we watched, oh. uh, we started with season five because that's what's current. 
and uh, we really loved it. So I convinced her to go back all the way to season one. So we've gone through season one through five of Fargo in the last couple of weeks. And I can tell you that show just does not get the credit it deserves. It's yep. wonderfully written, uh, beautifully acted. And it's just intriguing how they they just thread the seasons together without ever actually tying them to each other. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really a brilliant show. I'm, I'm, I think I'm a, one or two episodes behind, but I love how the show is able to like reinvent itself, and somehow because the movie is is just a, one of the great movies of all time, you know, to me, and how it's able to live up to the movie without trying to be the movie, I think is is, is amazing. Um, Justin, um, have you watched Fargo? I haven't, but okay. I recently, in preparation for that, in a weird way, I recently rewatched the old movie. Um, okay. Just to, because to, it's been a long time, and I, I wanted to, to watch the show, and I plan on it, and I, I just I wanted to remember because I was really young when I saw it. I was wondering if I didn't get it as much as a as a kid. What, what were we thirteen or fourteen when the movie yeah. came out? Something like that. So I wanted to watch it with adult eyes, and um, sort of prepare me. Yeah, yeah I, I, of course it's a it's a great film. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to watch the uh, the show as well. Yeah. Now, how about you, Justin? Have you are you watching anything interesting? So I've watched a couple things. I've uh, I basically binged the Reacher, which <laughs> a, a lot of people have been into. It's real yeah. popular right now, and uh, yeah, it was it was sort of the exact show that, that I needed was uh, to 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 binge. Very entertaining and not so tightly scripted, where mm. you have to to watch. And be so hyper focused that if you miss one part, you're, you're completely confused. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been enjoying that, and I think we have one episode left. Cool. Yeah, and, we're going to talk. Uh, about I've that also done a couple week. of things, sort of in in preparation for uh, Portable Hole. I started watching some old cartoons that I used to watch as a kid to see if they were actually good. <laughs> <laughs> right and i found that and and this is is sort of like for you know down the road but i'll say that some of them were really good obviously taking into consideration that they're for kids right so you're always going to have continuity issues and stuff that don't doesn't make sense and you're like well come on that's just absurd like just, yeah. but um when you watch, when you really think about it through adult eyes but some shows were really well written and some were really poorly written so I, I, um, I just found it interesting going back and watching some of those as well. But I'm not going to say which ones were great and which ones weren't. That will be for another time. Okay, good, good. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> and uh, this is it's interesting for because I know, Cynic, you're not a big uh, cartoon guy, right? Me? No. Yeah. How about, how about old cartoons? Like, do you, does that oh, yeah. does nostalgia I mean, factor? I look like you? I'm 75 years old, but I used to be a kid at one point. <laughs> so, yeah, I did watch cartoons. No, no, I'm but, not saying uh, did you watch them. I'm saying, do, like, are you, are you, like, Will you are, will you enjoy cartoons that you grew up with for nostalgia reasons, or are you just like, yeah, I don't I'm, I don't care for cartoons. Um, I I never find them as good as they were when I watched yeah. them. Like nostalgia doesn't take over. Uh, I I see them with a more critical eye, but I do yeah. still enjoy them. Like I could go back and watch that original Transformers movie over and yeah. over again. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've watched, it's weird. I've watched a million things and it feels like I've watched nothing. I think a lot, I've yeah, watched right. a lot of kind of mediocre TV in the last few months. Um, and I, you know, I'm sure there's some really good things sprinkled in, but I'll, I'll, I'll share two things that, that are, that have, one thing that stood out was a movie, um, called Anatomy of the Fall, which is incredible. Um, if you have a chance to watch that, it's, uh, it's like an, kind of an indie, indie-ish movie. Um, I think it's French, but it's a lot of it's in English. Um, and it's just about, uh, you know, basically a guy dies. Uh, in a cabin with his wife and his kid and there's a lot of kind of circumstantial evidence and it, the, the the um movie deals with the aftermath and the kind of trial that the wife goes on is on uh as she's suspected of his murder and it's really it's a really compelling movie and, and definitely worth the watch um and then i'm watching something that's a little bit more on the fun dumb side uh which is called the brother's son i think um, which, which is really good. I think it just came out. It's on Netflix. Uh, we're maybe like five or six episodes in, and it's basically of these, these two brothers. One has lived, grew up in the U.S. with his mom. He's a kind of a nerd. Um, you know, he's, he's really into uh, his improv stuff, which his mom hates. And his brother is like 
with his dad in um uh, in China, I forget where. Uh, and he's like a, ma- a crazy assassin, and he ends up having to come to the U.S. and hijinks ensue. And it's got some pretty good martial arts, uh, and it's just batshit crazy, but it's kind of a fun show to watch. So I definitely recommend uh, if you want something that that's you know easy to watch, shortish episodes, uh, and doesn't require you know it's not like uh, you need to put all your brain power into it. Um, I definitely recommend that. So um. Let's get to some news stories. Uh, so the I guess there's a couple things that I that I pulled. Um, one for actually two kind of for nostalgia reasons, and then one just because it's more current. But uh, first up is uh, like, do either of you guys still like listen to Rage Against the Machine? Oh yeah, yeah. So they have broken up for a third time after getting um, you know nominated or inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which seems. Uh, past due but uh any thoughts on that uh like do you listen to did you listen to any were you hoping to get, see them live have you had a chance to see them live um it's a it's a massive band i would think for the three of us and something that was really influential for us growing up but is it is it like whatever i don't care they've they broken up you know they've been broken up since you know late 90s to me so like what, what are your thoughts on that yeah, I'm gonna go with that. That they've been broken up with the late night, you know, since the <laughs> yeah. late '90s. I I barely knew that they had. I mean, I knew that they had broken up, but I wasn't really paying much attention to them, and they yeah. weren't re- really relevant in my life. I saw them at um when what maybe maybe I was a sophomore in high school, maybe a junior. I, I don't remember at uh at um was it con- maybe Continental Airlines Arena, mm-hmm. um with the Beastie Boys. That was a great show. Wow. Yeah. So I enjoyed that very much when I was uh, growing up. So they were excellent. I loved them. But yeah, once once they sort of broke up, we all moved on to listening to other bands and um, I, and the fact that they got back together and then broke up again. It was, all flew over my head. I, I've, yeah. And I don't know any of their new music. Yeah, I don't. That, that, and that's I think the 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 most telling part is like a. I don't know any of their new music. I don't know that they have put out any new music um you know but uh, you know i don't like i think like many bands i don't know that any of the new music would be any good if, if they did put anything out but any any thoughts on your end cynic well i had seen them for the first time at Lollapalooza 2 and they were fantastic i mean i had bought the tape to age myself when it first came out and i absolutely loved it and uh they were one of the opening bands for Lollapalooza, and they were great they blew everybody away that day uh they played, Tool played, uh, Primus, and I believe Allison Chains was the headliner. And, um, you know, they really right left there. an impact on me. So after the first time they broke up, uh, the, the rest of the band went and formed a band called Audio Slave, which I actually really loved. And I saw them three or four times when they toured with the uh, late Chris Cornell. So I don't know if they've technically broken up per se. I know that they're they're done touring because during the last reunion tour or whatever it was, I think Zach Della Roach took a bad uh, a bad fall and uh, sustained a serious leg injury and they canceled the rest of the tour. So I know for sure that they're done touring. Now, whether we get another studio album or not, who knows? But um, I, I think it's been long enough to the point where they're uh, more nostalgia than relevancy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's it's like they've hit, I think they have, Pearl Jam has, like all these bands that we grew up with have hit the kind of, when we were growing up, the Rolling Stones, right? Like they've been around for so long, they're just playing, the, you know, playing the hits. It's kind of interesting to see, you know, the bands that we've grown up with uh, kind of find that, you know, find that. Um, now, like speaking of Tool, like Maynard is 60, which is just like, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think. Um, speaking and of people playing. aging... Like Brad Pitt turned sixty the yeah, other day, and yeah. I'm just I'm not ready for old man Brad Pitt. I'm just not. <laughs> he still he still looks good. Unlike I think like Tom Cruise, I think in the last couple of years hit that like it, 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 it like a switch flip. Like he looked super youthful, and then recently like not so much. But I think Brad Pitt still has the the you know, looks good for for his age. Um. So yeah, yeah. For me, I like I definitely tend to agree with you guys on on with rage. I, I it's interesting for me because like I, I fell down the rabbit hole of um, reaction videos, which maybe we could, you know something we could talk about at some other time. Uh, and I just I've kind of like I always I remember growing up always thinking like um you know that that Zach Delroca was that was a legitimate like MC. He ha- he was li- lyrically as good as anybody you know out there. Um, but you know, but also like his flow, his cadence, like everything there was like legitimately good. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to see people kind of go back and f- realize that. Um, and so I just fell down this rabbit hole, just watched video after video of people just like, 
like listening to him and be like, oh wow, oh, like oh well, this is he's legit, you know, he's really good. So I kind of it was kind of watch him, I guess, get his like flowers, so to speak, um, you know, and uh, diving down that rabbit hole was cool, and they got me listening to him again. But yeah, it's like one of those, you know, I'm not gonna run to see them live, and yeah, they're not putting out anything new, and we'll always have you know their their first couple albums, which were you know among you know the best things you know you'll ever hear. So the next news item, so we're going to uh, talk about Tetris. Uh, and I know, Justin, you have we, you want to do a, di- a deep dive into Tetris um, as it's become in vogue a little bit recently. But this is a really cool story and really interesting. So basically, a 13-year-old uh, who goes by the name of Blue Scooty is believed to be the first person to beat Tetris. And there's a little bit of like an asterisk next to it, but it's still incredibly impressive. Because um, it was – so basically, the way it works is um, at some point – the game crashes. So at some point you play it so much that things become unstable and the game will crash. And no human has ever gotten to that point. And up until I think like a decade ago, it was thought that the highest level you could get to in Tetris was about, I think it was 29. And um, then there was like, I guess, new new techniques developed, I think called um, rolling that that allowed people to kind of advance past that. And well, so... Sorry, sorry to inter- interrupt yeah. you. So first it was... Hi, it, at first, it was hyper tapping. Okay, yeah, that's right. right basically, right. where you tap very fast, and then it yeah. evolved into rolling. Yeah, so hyper tapping and then rolling. But these techniques allowed people to go from twenty nine, well past that. And so, I guess a couple parts to here. So, AI has quote unquote beaten Tetris, um, and I believe that the highest level that AI has gotten to is level two thirty six, and. If you get to level 255, and this we're talking about like the NES version of Tetris. We're not talking about like any updated versions of it. But basically, if you get to 255, what happens is it starts over at level zero. Um, and I kind of explained this for some context uh, as far as did he, you know, questioning whether he really beat it or what the what it would take to actually beat Tetris. So um, basically, after about... Um, I think it's level in the 150s. I forget the exact number. The conditions of the game start to get kind of erratic and chaotic, and it can crash at any time. So AI has, like I said, has gotten it to crash um, up to 236, and Blue Scooty got up to level 157, and that's when the game crashed. So technically, by the by that rule, if if you can get Tetris to crash, you've won the game. He won the game. But the asterisk is that. There's a way to then play the game to avoid the crashes, and if somebody can avoid the crashes and get up to 255 and get them back to level zero, that would be 100% fully winning the game. But it's still an insane feat, um, which I believe somebody may have matched recently. It's one of those things where like somebody beats a record and then all of a sudden like other people go immediately and beat the yeah. records. But it's it's pretty crazy because like you know we've all played Tetris. I can't get past I don't know like level 10, so it's insane that, that <laughs> you know, to think that. Yeah, the, the whole thing is wild, and we'll do another episode on Tetris. For me, the 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 fact that a game that I think it came out in 1984 was the yeah. original, and there's actually a fascinating story if you look at the history of licensing um, Tetris. Basically, it was made by a dude um, who was basically worked for, for Russia. And they were like, nope, we own the rights to it. And then it went through all different sorts of things, rights in Europe and rights in the States. And then, to, you know, it's really a fascinating story. Um, and equally fascinating is how people are playing an old game and pushing the boundaries of it and, and really taking it to, to these, to, you know, to these new heights and how popular it is amongst kids that yeah. were that that were not even born yet, not even even close to being born when the game came out. So really it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. I can't think of anything else that compares to that where something, and it's not like an update. There are newer versions of Tetris, but it's not like a, a, a new version of it. That's gained popularity. No, it's the original. I can't think of anything else in any field where that's happened. It, it's, it's bizarre. My wife actually plays Tetris every morning before while she's getting ready for work and, and eating breakfast, and she's completely addicted to it. Wow. However, so, question, did she – what got her into that? Was she – did she start getting into the, the Tetris competitions and that made her start playing, or was she just – 
you know. Yeah, I think it's it, just a, a, a pastime that's always kind of been there. Like, there's wow. always been like a small game before work, which evolved huh. to some game that was eating up most of the memory in her phone. To hey, oh, why don't you try Tetris because it's very similar, and yeah. oh. you know that's what she does every morning. And I mean, she's first or second in the area that we're in as far as the, them keeping track. So she oh, does wow. very fairly well. But any game with a score, I'm hypercritical of or, or hyper suspicious of because Blue Scooty sounds a lot like Billy Mitchell to me. So unless we have a video of that, <laughs> and we, it wasn't done in Maine with same states, I, I've got to I've got to turn thumbs down because uh, <laughs> I, I, it, Alyssa, after this whole King of Kong thing, I'm I'm just jaded when it comes to old school video games with scores yeah. because uh, people will do anything they can to cheat just to get their name out there. Yeah. Well, he was well known on the Tetris circuit. He was a competitive player and placed very high um, in the in the championships. And there is a video of it. So I'm sure he does a Twitch stream or something like that. So it is it it is um, recorded. You could watch it. It's on you know on YouTube or whatever. Um, and he was a, 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 very, a very high level competitive player. So the fact that he would do that wouldn't seem too out of the question. Well, but we got to find out whether we got to find out whether Twin Galaxies uh, looks at that record and accepts it and puts <laughs> it uh, puts it on their current boards because there's old school scores now and, and new school. Speaking of uh, jumping down the rabbit hole, that whole Billy Mitchell thing, uh, I've been watching these Carl Jobs videos and uh, it's all about his lawsuits, uh, Billy Mitchell's lawsuits against Twin Galaxies and Carl Jobs himself. Uh, very captivating stuff. So we do need to talk about that at some point. Yeah, definitely. So it, it is interesting. Like, uh, there's a great documentary. Speaking of games, that, like, it's crazy that the, ev- everything has like a weird fandom, and and uh, no matter what it is, and like I was Except watching our really... podcast, huh? Except my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, there was a really good documentary uh, on Monopoly, and the same thing. Monopoly is obviously everybody's played it; it's a big deal. But the, like that, there's like a World Championships of Monopoly. Um, somebody was telling me recently that uh, I'm forgetting what it was, but a friend, like a friend of theirs, was going to compete in like the World Championships of some some random like you know kids game. Um, but yeah, just like everything has you know some kind of big you know niche followings. It's crazy, but yeah, definitely need to do a deep dive on these things. Um, so I guess the last part, I uh, just want to talk uh, a couple of uh, the, the Emmy Awards just happened and, you know, award shows are weird and, you know, kind of crap. I don't I don't watch them, but I do look to see who won and see if they get it right, which often they don't. But um, I feel like they did. So the two shows that won, um, Succession won big for a lot of things and um, The Bear won. So um, do either of you guys watch Succession? I have not. You have not? Not okay. one episode, not one minute of. Yeah, I, th- I figured. I just, you haven't watched Succession, right? No. Well, it, it it should be required viewing. It's it's like an excellent yeah. show. It's one of those. It took me a little while to um get into it. You know the idea of okay, it's just about a rich family that's kind of a sense, or you know not a sense, but you know kind of like the Murdochs to some extent, uh, and and infighting and backstabbing. But it is an amazing show with with some incredible performances, and it's also incredibly funny. So it's actually a show that, like, if you really watch, you know, if you watch it, like, it, it, it could be a comedy. Uh, that's how funny the show is and, and how it's written and how it's kind of paced. But I definitely recommend you guys watch it. Uh, it's something that might even be fun to do a little bit of a deep dive. Um, and, like, I'd be totally down to rewatch it uh, if you guys want to watch because it, it, it's just such a good show and, and just gets better and better. And one of, those sh- you know, one of those shows that has, like, there's a couple episodes in there that are some of the best, like, hours of TV, you know, that you're ever going to watch. Um, and then the other show that won big, and I know you watched this, uh, is The Bear. And like that, yeah. Yeah, we've discussed our love for The Bear, and I absolutely can't wait for more episodes of that. And, yeah. and I was extremely happy to see the the kid Stephen Ewan from The Walking Dead win an yeah. Emmy Award as well. Yeah. I mean, fantastic talent, really nice guy. I got the opportunity to meet him in person, and he, he couldn't have been more humble or more kind with his time. So I was happy to see that happen. But yeah. I'm not sure if we're cursing or not during this, Ryan, so you can go ahead and edit me. But I think it's complete fucking bullshit that Better Call Saul was on for six seasons and not one Emmy. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, yeah, so I Justice re- for Jimmy McGill. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. So now, that was so I also was a little confused. The the Emmy Awards this year, it was for 2022, right? It wasn't for 2023? That I do not know. Okay, because I'm wondering, are, is there a chance for Better Call Saul to be nominated for anything again, or is that it? Like, I, 
don't think so because every okay. article I read was this was for the final season. Okay, got it. Okay. Which which yeah, that sucks. Like that's crazy that that show never was never nominated. Now Justin, did you watch The Bear at all? I have not. Okay. Another will. show like one of the modern modern kind of kind of classics. It's so, it's so good. Also funny, but um just phenomenal acting. Um that it's a show that like the the thing it plays with tension in a way that I've never seen. Like there's some some of the most tense moments i've ever seen like on tv on that show and, and, and yeah like everybody deserved that you know just deserved um you know they, they deserved all the awards so definitely happy that that it got the accolades uh that it did nice so our uh so for our cut we got two topics to talk about today so first thing we're going to do is a this little discussion on episode one of fargo um i'm sorry not fargo true detective and then we'll talk a little bit about uh we have some questions with chat gpt uh, so that should be interesting. We had ChatGPT write a large part of our first episode, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but let's first talk about True Detective. So first, um, have you guys – did you guys watch the first few seasons of True Detective, and did you stick with it? Because I think season one, everybody loves. Phenomenal season. And, uh, you know, there's mixed reviews of the other seasons. So what were your – you know, Cynic, what, um, did you follow through after season one? I absolutely did not. I okay. loved season one. Um what was the uh, season with Marsha Ali? Uh, was, uh, three. Yeah, I, I tried to watch a little bit of that. I, yeah. I just um, I couldn't stick with it. I, I, I was having a hard time. It's it's one of those things where I've always promised myself I'd circle back around, but I, I, I've yet to do it. But this uh, this current season seems pretty interesting. Oh, I don't know if you've muted yourself or not, oh, Ryan. Sorry, Justin, have you watched it beyond season one? Uh, well, I started, uh, I remember starting to watch season two and I, I think I got through a few episodes and then just, mm. who knows, it just, you yeah. know, it petered out. I just, it didn't keep my attention yeah. the same way that one did. Um, but funny, I, 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 I sat down to watch the, the new season and something pulled me away, and I never wound up watching it. But it's definitely on the list coming up very soon. And, yep. and if it's if you know going to be a good season, then you know I'll I'll be all in. So you haven't watched episode one yet? I have not. Okay, cool. The only episode that's out. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 talk a little bit about that. But um, yeah, I I kind of in the same boat with you guys. I watched season one. I uh, started season two. Did not. You know, just I just fell off. It wasn't interesting. I did watch the season with Mahershala Ali. Um, it was good. It's not. It didn't live up to season one, but uh, he's such a good actor, and I think he did so well in that that it, that held my attention enough to keep me through it. Like I don't think it was as compelling as um, as the first season. It's definitely better than the second season. But he he's so good in anything that he's in that it, it was able to just keep my attention. I feel like it got to a point. I probably. I, it, there was a point where I, I could have given up and I kept watching and I'm glad I did because it, it was a solid season of the show. So, uh, Cynic, so what were your overall thoughts on the first episode? Uh, did it, did it, you know, it's a new director or new or new showrunner. Uh, did it maintain the feel of the first one? Do you feel like, it, you know, of the first season, do you feel like it kind of brought you back to season one or do you feel like maybe it's, it's going to be a, a little underwhelming like the other two seasons? I'll say it's completely different than what I expected. Yeah. Uh, very female-driven narrative, which I think um, the show kind of needs because they never really went that route before. Even though it's kind of being done to death in other areas, this feels uh, appropriate for the story that they're telling. Uh, Jodie Foster really led the uh, led the cast and, and drove the story forward, uh, you know, uh, with just kind of enough strength that you could see her being the lead character. Uh, Overall, uh, it felt more like X-Files to me than it did. The thing about season in bits and pieces and kind of got stronger as the, the show went on to the end, where this, they're, they're kind of leaning into it pretty heavily right off the bat. Like, there's a lot of unexplained phenomenon going on in the, you know, in basically every scene of this first episode where it's yeah. like, you know, is this a detective story or is it supernatural? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I, I I do think I was I, it was compelling to me, and I was I was kind of fixed on the on the screen. I, I really did enjoy the episode. I think it's the best uh, start to a season, at least since season one. I do feel like it was a little weird because I, I felt like season one, the supernatural elements was uh, just subtle enough that you know it could be you, it could be explained away as something else. Where this one seems to be leaning into it a lot 
more. And now part of it could be that you're dealing with you know native Inuit people who are going to have you know different beliefs and and part of also that the you know the Jodie Foster character who seems to be a little bit racist and makes these comments you know maybe kind of looks at them as like being kind of almost uh, you know unsophisticated and they believe in you know whatever this stuff is and maybe that comes into play as something that's real but it really does seem like um, the supernatural element is going to play a, a role in it. I do like uh, it feels much more like a horror movie you know almost felt like the thing you know and maybe that was intentional well i think a lot of it too is the setting it being you know winter and then the constant night and you know it uh uh yeah it feels almost suffocating at uh, at points but uh definitely i mean it's worth continuing Uh, do i uh, am am i 100 percent certain i'm gonna get to the end i don't know because i don't like uh I don't like questions for questions' sake. Like, I want answers at some point. And if we're just going to leave it open why there's some sort of one-eyed polar bear wandering around town Mm -hmm. freaking people out, then uh, I'm going to lose interest. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing for me is I, you know, both good and bad, I kind of started at some point I was like watching. I'm like, well, this is just mystery after mystery after mystery. And and I think Mm -hmm. part of it is good world building, right? Like part of it is that there'll be a little comment here that like all of a sudden that that there's like a web of things that you you now have to think of because of this one little comment. But then a lot of it is just, okay, another mystery, another mystery. And yeah, it's like, are, is it there for the sake of it? Or is it all going to, you know, it could be a world, there's a world where this all ties together brilliantly. And we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. But there's also a world where it's like, okay, you're giving us too much, too many things to think about and just mysteries for mystery's sake. So yeah, we're kind of, it's like, I'm on the fence. I think I, the, the, the main mystery was compelling enough for me that I really was interested in it. Uh, I did like how it was shot. I like the, the mood and the tone of it. So for me, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I'm in, you know, I guess the question will be, am I, and will we all be in enough to do like a full season review when this thing ends? And I guess that'll, that'll be the question, you know, that'll be, that'll answer it. Now, Justin, uh, important question for you. Have we sold you on watching episode one? Well, I was planning on it. Remember, I sat down to watch it yeah. and, um, I, I don't know what it was that that pulled me away. Who know? You know that's just how it is nowadays. Yeah. But um, oh no, definitely, yeah. for sure. I'm I'm in. Yeah, no. So de- de- definitely check it out. I feel like it's, it's a solid start, but it's one of those things where it could, you know, it's it, it could go off the rails real fast and unravel, or it could be you know a, a fantastic season that lives up to season one. So I'm excited excited about it. Solid start. Yep. Cynic is something. Else. It- it did feel like kind of a bit of a long hour to me, but they yeah. did do a lot of world building. I will give yeah. you that. Like it felt like you, you had a sense of everything that was going on that was at least explained. Yeah, and there's just a lot of like you, there's a lot of uh, seeds being planted for relationships, and so I think they in a way did a good job of it feeling like a real like lived in world, you know, and it's something different from anything we've experienced. Like none of us have been, you know, in, in a place where it doesn't get light. Uh, or where it's that cold or, you know, where they deal with those kinds of issues. So I think it did a good job of, of setting things up. But, yeah, it's a matter of, like, you know, there are plenty of shows that start strong and then, you know, don't execute. So uh, I can know, say my one major complaint is that if we're going to do a sex scene and you need to keep clothes on, don't do the sex scene. Yeah. <laughs> That, that that's true it's it's a little it, weird like i mean the, the the core of what was going on was very tantalizing and appealing but when they're half dressed i don't know anybody that has sex half dressed unless you're doing it alongside the road on top of a car or something it just you know if you're in a bed everybody's naked i mean let's let's shoot for realism here in our lovemaking come on yeah no that, that's fair it's like you don't you know either you know either shoot it at weird angles so that, you know, if, if, if the issue is the nudity or the, the actor doesn't want to, you know, appear nude, then fine. Shoot it from angles that, you know, they, you don't see whatever they don't want you to see. But, yeah, it's a little weird with, like, the sex scenes with the, with the clothes on. It's like, uh, come on. It, it, it does take it out because you're absolutely right. Like, th- you know, that, that is very rare that, that that would happen unless they're very specific uh, circumstances. All right, so I guess that's that's it for for um, episode one. Again, if if we're if we're into it, we'll do a full season review. We'll get a little bit more in depth into into it and into the show and performances and how everything is. But let's get to uh, our next part. So again, uh, I, I, so before we get into these questions with ChatGPT, um, what's your guys' experience with it uh, so far? I I must say, like I I've found it to be you know very useful. There's a whole now uh, AI is something that we will touch on a little bit more and talk about some of the because I think there are a lot of interesting. 
um, and unanswered at this point, or, or at least without a consensus, moral questions with AI. But just from a like a, a tool to use to to save time, I find it's been extremely helpful for me. Um, but uh, what what's your guys' experience been with with if at all with ChatGPT or any of the AI art stuff? So uh, I use it for mostly well for a few things. I I, I enjoy having it write uh, scripts or um, summaries for movies that are in my head to see what it would come up with, and mm-hmm. it's done a pretty good job. And I, I think I've actually had. Stuff that's pitch worthy because of it. Granted, you have to feed it the information. I also use it for writing songs, and it's. I'm actually going to have a video on writing a song with ChatGPT, and it's interesting. Now, you said that it saved you time, yeah. But what I found is that you actually have to put a lot of time into getting it to give you what you want. And that's so, really interesting. So yeah. so much so, of it is is figuring out how to use it. Yeah. So with any AI, there's like a whole thing of like you have to be able to create the right prompts. And there are people that yeah. legitimately like they earn money yeah. as prompt creators, right? Prompt like they're able to write yeah. it. And, and you're right. So I always find that when I do have something I needed or wanted to give to me, I have to be very specific about how I ask the questions. But it saved me like for example, like I've been learning how to color comics. And yeah. so it's really cool because I can go into it and just ask it like, hey, you know, what color palette would be good for this? Or or I'm trying to do this thing in Photoshop. What are those steps? And sometimes it's, it gives me amazing answers and sometimes it doesn't. But I do find that like, you know, if, I'm, if I have an idea or something, it's really great, a good tool to bounce ideas off. Now, now you mentioned like writing yeah, scripts. I think great. creatively it's pretty bad. Um, but – I think as a as a tool. What are you talking about? Creatively, it's fucking amazing. It's a it's it's a program that you say something and it comes up with a whole thing. Like, are you kidding me? It is amazing in that way. What I'm saying is, like, (laughs) if you ask it to write you a story, it's going to be a generic story, right? Because it's like it's pulling from all. It's it's taking like I don't know, like the you know, it's pulling what it's pulling from what it you know, it's it's giving you what it thinks is going to be whatever you're asking it for. So you can ask it for in a style of whatever, but generally, like. The what you get if you say like, hey, write. I want you to write me a story about whatever. It's gonna be fairly generic. The dialogue's gonna be fairly generic. There'll be bits and pieces you can take out, but yeah. I find it much more useful to say, hey, I've got characters that are doing this thing, um, but I'm struggling yeah. with, you know, I'm struggling with a very specific thing. Can you give me ideas for that? And then it's great. But if you, if as far as like a, if you ask it to write a book or write a, a chapter of something, it's not to me. It doesn't come out, you know particularly interesting yes. but uh cynic have you yes. have you worked at all with any ai or, or chat gpt or midjourney or anything i really haven't um the only yeah. thing that i have done is i work in a bit of an iconic spot in new york city and i used it to take pictures and um change them to post-apocalyptic uh oh. images yeah which was pretty cool um yeah and i out of the hundreds of the things i save a day to to bring up to talk to you guys about um I think they rewrote the end of Game of Thrones with it, didn't they? Like somebody went back and, and rewrote oh, like the the whole last novel. Oh, so wow. that that's out there for consumption. Interesting. But, um, the the one thing I want to warn you about is that we've already been through this chat GPT uh, conversation, and it was called like Terminator One through Seven. Yeah. <laughs> so I have fun playing that. with this while you still can, guys, because <laughs> yeah. soon it's going to be hunting us and planning yeah. our demise. Judgment I mean, the, the, the Day is coming. Thing- with that and with art is like it is it, it is you know and, and that's where I, I like while I say it's not creative you know in, in the sense of like you know it's not going to give you the you know write the next great American novel that might be a couple years away you know like the art even the AI arts can be pretty cool um, it's it's you know it, you can generally tell not, not always actually I should should say um, but you can generally tell when it's AI art. But I mean, it, it, but a lot of times, like there, there, there are things that have won contests, um, you know, art, art contests. So, you know, if it's not at the level of writing the next great American novel right now, it, it will be at some point and yeah. sooner than later. And yeah, like, you know, maybe we do need to be a little worried about it, uh, it taking over our lives. But um, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing automated McDonald's and stuff. It's yeah. going to cost a lot of people their jobs yeah, in the end. It, it, you're, no, you're right. I think that, that is so. To me, right off the bat, and rightfully uh, so. <laughs> well, right, people well, suck. 
Like, huh? have, have you like experienced people in 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 most modern service industries? It's terrible, yeah. right? At the you know th- this could this could be a, like a rant or or what you would call the Justin words of wisdom, but it's <laughs> awful. Like people are really terrible at it now, and more importantly, the companies don't care. Yeah, There's, they've sort of all taken the stance of well, too bad, go somewhere else, and everyone's yeah. done that. So you can't go anywhere else because no one cares. Yeah. So but, uh, you know, I'm all for AI, you know, replacing people that are, are you know, are, that then do we a have terrible to feel, job. Figure out what we do with all these displaced people well, who can't find that's jobs. It, that, like that's the, the what was it? The argument for 15 or the argument for yeah. 20 is, oh, well, they don't deserve 20. Yeah, but we're paying them 20 anyway through, uh, you know, social programs. Yeah. If we put these bad fry cooks out of business, then we're going to be paying these bad fry cooks full salary. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's a there is a world where there are a lot of, there are a lot of jobs and industries I think that already you know AI is going to take you know take a lot away from because I mean why hire people to write marketing copy when you can just plug stuff into like AI you know plug it into ChatGPT or why why hire somebody to to draw you know put together like a flyer for your company when you could just have chat you know have Midjourney yeah. you know come up with something so there is a lot of these you know that's there are a lot of these jobs already yeah. that you know it, it's easy to and then that's where we'll talk more um, when we do our, our our like deeper dive into AI, you know, about the moral kind of complexities of it and and uh, how it should or can be used and then whether or not we're doing, you know, is it even right that we're using it to write this episode? Um, but anyway, so so as a, I had a good segue, but I lost it. But um, ChatGPT will be taking over the episode for now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through these questions. Um, we'll do one of, you know, we, we, we put together 10 questions with ChatGPT. Um, we'll just rotate between us answering each of the questions. And then the last one... Um, We'll all, we can all take a stab at. So, uh, Cynic, I'll start with you for the first one. So, what's a movie or TV show from your childhood that still holds a special place in your heart, and why? Oh, it's got to be Star Wars. It, from the second I laid eyes on Darth Vader in the the whole Star Wars universe, it's yeah. you know been my first love forever, yeah. and uh, I probably always will be, no matter w- what Disney does to ruin it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean. That was the first thing that I, even pre-Batman or Spider-Man, uh, my grandparents had HBO and Star Wars would be on there 80 times a month, and I would probably watch it at least 75 times. Yeah. So speaking of Star Wars, um, we, we my, my, my niece, um, we went to Disney with her for her birthday uh, this weekend, and uh, but I was like, I have to go. If we're going to go to Disney, I have to go to the Star Wars area. Um, the, the Rise of the Resistance ride, whether you like the new Star Wars stuff, is, is the is the most incredible thing ever if you're if you're a fan of Star Wars. And I won't it, I won't even tell you what it is. Um if you haven't looked it up, don't because it is so such a cool experience that you you have to do it. Um like that that ride is is insane. Um we, so much like we like Anna loves it. Um we, we we might try to go in October. If you if you guys want to come along, we should all we could all do a Disney uh, Disney trip um with with the with the significant others in, in October for the I think she has off like the Rosh Hashanah holiday and I was like, "Well, if we go, we're spending a whole day in that in in that park because it's so cool." But well, um, that ride is it, is incredible. As long as you guys agree to do the horror house, uh, uh, horror houses, uh, horror houses at uh, Universal, I'll absolutely oh, go. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that was so we were saying that because we, we it was like a very short. We went, it was like um, just for the weekend, and we didn't get to do nearly what we wanted to do. Um, but uh, but yeah, we were saying we might go for like four days, and we could do one a day at Universal, and then like a day at each park. Um, it, um, but I, that but I, I like that that ride is so cool that um, like yeah, it's like. There's a moment. There's a couple moments in it where it was just like aw- almost awestruck, like you become a child for a moment, um, and that you know, especially growing, you know, if you're growing up with it, like it was really cool. Um, all right. So, question two, uh, Justin, if you could live in the universe of any fictional TV series or movie, which one would it be, and ro- what role would you want to play? Oh boy, good. Um... Hmm. Good question. There are uh, <laughs> there's, there's so many of them, man. You know, I think I would just love to be a Ninja Turtle, <laughs> like a... <laughs> going back to you know, <laughs> sort of reminds me of the childhood. It's like that's what uh, of all the uh, uh, of everything I loved as a kid. I know this this is not even 
asking about childhood stuff. And, and yeah, I, I, I could go dirty and like, you know, pick a fictional character that like, you know, bangs every hot woman, you know, <laughs> like what, what does that add to the, you know, if I mentioned that, of course, that's what, where my, my brain would go. But I'm, that, that's not very interesting. It's like, well, no shit. That's what you would want to choose. But let's choose something a little more fun. Yes, I would. I, I just would have loved to have been a, a Ninja Turtle. I think that that I remember as, as a kid. Just of all, you know, of all the cartoons, of everything, of every sort of superhero that I that I loved and wanted to be, that's you know, I just it would have been cool. So okay, there's my there's my answer. Even more so than being like, you know, you know, you know, some you know Herculean character that gets to like bang all the hot chicks or James Bond or something like that. So I think the nice part about being a turtle is you'd never be homeless. So regardless of what your career choices are, even if the ninja thing don't work out, I mean, you always have some place to lay your head. Yeah. There you go. For me, I think it would probably be The Walking Dead, only because I think we're headed that way anyway. So I would just be prepared for I th- it. I thought we were headed for Judgment Day. It quite possibly could be. Maybe, maybe he's playing maybe, with his chat maybe, and GPT Maybe there's going to be some AI, a- AI, you know, vampire shit going on. I just want the six shit, people yeah. that ever hear this podcast to go, when it happens, you know, that guy Cynic really told us this was coming. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> well, we, 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 we'll ask Chat GPT to write our Terminator slash Walking Dead uh, crossover movie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll see how that comes the out. Zombie we'll, we'll post it on the website. We'll, we'll post the, yeah. the Chat GPT Terminator Walking Dead um, uh, crossover pitch. Have you ever asked Ch- Chat GPT if it's going to turn on us? And um and you know basically turn into terminators. Have you ever asked it? I have. <laughs> What's the answer? <laughs> it, it 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 gives me an, it appeases me. It says that basically that um the idea of AI terminators existing, in you know, is just science fiction right now, and that we don't have to worry about it. But then again, the idea of a uh, a program that could create anything that you ask it to a few years ago was science fiction as well. So I'm not very confident in its answer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now my, my question, um, share a geekdom moment that significantly impacted your life or shaped your interests. That's a tough one. Um, I, you know, so I'm going to say actually uh, the red wedding uh, in Game of Thrones. Ooh. The reason why, right? Because that, that's an old, a newer moment, right? Not newer, As but an it's an adult. It's a, that's it's interesting. More, I mean, so so here's why. I think that 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 moment got me into listening to podcasts, like uh, at a real, like at a at a at a crazy level. So before that, I think the only podcast that I really listened to was like. Um, uh, like a, so a couple science podcasts and, and even that I wasn't even doing on the Apple app it was like I was I think it was like a, a thing where I was listening in on their website so right like so my podcast con- consumption was pretty pretty minimal and uh, that moment was so big that I was like I gotta I, I try to consume everything like, I have to listen to everything that everybody has to say about everything <laughs> having to do with this and I just started listening to all these like Game of Thrones podcasts and then and then that was then that I just dove down the rabbit hole of just the podcast world and that shifted to like listening to other you know like pro wrestling podcasts even though i don't really watch much pro wrestling although we should do a, a wrestlemania um like live viewing or something uh because it actually looks like it's gonna be pretty cool um, royal rumble yeah or royal rumble too yeah that's coming up um but no it's like it's actually like crazy like I, it's funny like i don't watch it but i listen to a podcast <laughs> yeah i know it. but it's like interesting to, yeah <laughs> but it's pretty cool right now like so like some, some some good stuff is going on but um but yeah so i think that got me into the world of podcasting and then listening to people talk about that stuff and then that feeling of being like a fly on the wall but like being engaged with these people who are talking about stuff i like got me really more interested in in, in doing it myself and so i would probably say that would that would be the moment for me um that that kind of helped shape where i am now because like i don't know that i'm you know heavily doing podcasts uh if if i didn't have that moment i don't know that even like the gym wits um necessarily starts if uh i don't you know have that moment of like really diving deep into listening to lots of different podcasts so that that's probably it um 
You can say something. I'll just mine real quick. Uh, okay. It was, it was when I the, the the first time I played a Dragon Quest game, and now come to think about it, it would be fun to live in that universe too. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I remember when I when I first played that game, I I sort of I uh, really uh, sort of fell in love with with that whole that whole ethos of just you know of uh, of uh, magic and dragons and warriors and stuff like that and it's always yeah. been because i never played i was never really big into dungeons and dragons but when i played that game it really had i i remember just loving it so much as a kid and i played all the titles and even recently um i still play the dragon quest games whenever they come out it's really one of the only video games i, I play so it was uh it was a big impact all right, so uh, Cynic, uh, uh, question four for you. Who's a character from any medium, movie, TV, book, etc., that you strongly resonate with and why? Oh, it's got to be Tyrion Lannister. Just <laughs> the w- everything about the way that guy yeah. goes through the world. I can see that. <laughs> I, I not only admire, but I try to emulate it every step. I drink and I know things. Okay, yeah, no, that, that's fair. At first, I was like, "What?" Yeah, no, I, I could totally, one hundred percent, can see, can see that. Um, all right, Justin, uh, <laughs> what's a guilty pleasure movie or TV show that you secretly adore despite knowing it might not be critical? this out so that I had to get this question yeah, it worked right. Out. Yeah, all right. That, so, that, you know, most important question of the day: uh, What's a guilty pleasure movie or TV show? <laughs> so, all right, I, I'm going to go on one of my rants here. Oh, I, no. I, I I I detest it's like I, I you know I, I guess ChatGPT was just reading my my mind of what I didn't want. Maybe it has an ironic sense of humor, <laughs> but um, two terms that I detest are guilty pleasure and critically acclaimed. So they're 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 both so so they're both. Well, guilty pleasure is is an insulting term first and foremost, and critically critically acclaimed is a meaningless term. Like it's who cares what critics say? What matters is what people say, right? You know, critically acclaimed. It's it's just it's, it's such a worthless term. And guilty pleasure is is just as bad in its its own way because it's implying that whatever was made by people that worked very hard is not good and that it has to you have to feel guilty so there is no guilty pleasure because i don't believe that anything that someone has created is a guilty pleasure they they worked hard they put money into it um they use their talents to create it except for one <laughs> i do have i guess i i guess i have one okay now who's the one the movie freddy got fingered <laughs> so <laughs> And, and I love the fact that, and not only was it not critically acclaimed, it was critically dismissed, <laughs> right? Supposedly, but few, very few movies, despite it being maybe one of the worst movies ever made, um, that's not you know that's not a B or movie or or even less. Very few movies have given me as much joy as Freddy Got Fingered. Besides that, it taps into my twisted sense of humor, but. The, the true joy is in watching other people. So it was like I was into doing reaction videos before it was even a thing. So uh, I remember I would have people almost force people to watch it, not knowing what they were getting into. And that was part of the enjoyment. So, yes, uh, um, for the most part, there, you know, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. But um, if I have to give one, it's the movie Freddy Got okay. Fair. So. You did keep the gunner knife off the camera, right? So it, it, it was a natural reaction video, and they didn't yeah. know that they were being forced to do that against their will. Like, uh, exactly, natural. But, you know, I don't. Um, yeah, no, no. Go you, ahead, you, you, well, I was saying, I don't know that I agree. I, like, I think you should, like, you know, critics are critics, and uh, you know that, and and I think you, you know, you have to. I think there is a. You don't want to shame somebody for for working hard and doing something and creating something, you know, no matter what it is. And it is easy for critics to just talk crap about stuff um, and get on their high horse. And a lot of times they get things wrong. But there's a place for it, you know. And I definitely think, you know, there are things that are critically acclaimed because they're that good. Uh, And so I think there is, you know, there is something to be said for, like, acknowledging things that are great, you know. But um, I I get the guilty pleasure thing, though. Like, like, 
you know, it's like there's probably I'm sure there are pop songs that you will never, as a musician, never want to admit you like. But like, it's kind of a guilty pleasure. So I kind of I, I feel like well, those exist. Though you know, and it doesn't even mean saying it's bad, right? Like it's just, it's just like there's some you know, pop music is pop music, and us being kind of cynical kind of assholes all would don't want to admit that we like certain pop songs for the most part. Well, I, I you know I love pop. Yeah, that's, music. that's I true. love yeah pop yeah. music and 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 one of my most fun things to do is whenever anyone rags on someone like it's so right into to, to to rag on taylor swift right yeah. now even though she's an amazing songwriter and a brilliant businesswoman i i just love to sing when anyone ever talks shit about her it'd be like no. how many records have you sold <laughs> how many billions of dollars have you made oh that's great because you're a nobody and she's one of the most famous yeah. people in the world so good yeah. job uh, cynic, you were going to say something. I'll That's my what. cynical nature. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize the reach of Taylor Swift until she uh, was at uh, whatever MetLife Stadium for two yeah. or three days, and the crowds that she drew to the train station <laughs> just to go across the water and and go was incredible. It was not like uh, Thanksgiving or New Year's or Christmas or anything I'd seen in my commutes. Uh, that place was wall-to-wall Taylor Swift fans. And I, I didn't realize how big this thing had gotten. And, uh, you know, on another note, I think this whole thing with her and Travis Kelsey is kind of like a feel-good story. I don't – is the NFL leaning on it a little too heavily? Sure, but they do that with everything because it's bringing eyes to the sport that weren't going to be there without, you know, showing her 10 oh, times yeah. a game. Is it affecting anybody in any way? No. And I, I – I, I dig that they're dating. I think it's uh, great for the both of them, and I hope they're happy, and I hope they stay together. I, one thing I, I I agree and kind of disagree with you on, Justin, is the critically acclaimed thing. Because critics without agenda back in the day were kind of Rotten Tomatoes before yeah. there was Rotten Tomatoes. And um, so you could kind of get uh, – but anymore, it feels like – Critics now have agendas, so there's yeah. uh, one person over on IGN. Every time I see that this person's reviewed something, I won't even read it because I know it's going to be a low score. There's not going to be much of a reason behind it. And if you go replace else, the scores are going to be much higher on whatever that particular thing is. It's almost like she lives to give low yeah. scores. She lives to shit on things. Now, if we look at the people side of things... Um, I read a, a quick article saying that uh, people are, are are bombing True Detective because it's got a yeah. female lead. So people even are worse with the agendas, yeah. and yeah. there's no accountability because most of the time their names yeah. aren't signed to it. So when they run something like uh, a Starfield into the ground because it's uh, an Xbox exclusive and not for PlayStation, uh, just because they've got an axe to grind, it's like, who do we listen to now? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, we got to make up our own mind, but I do like to go into things knowing whether uh, I should waste my time yeah. on it or not. Or, you know, the investment of time to me as I get older and am more busy, uh, it's important to me knowing that, uh, you know, having some sort of idea of whether I should avoid a, a certain product. I, I think I should, I should reiterate, like, I actually don't have issues with critics themselves. Right, I think they have a role. I think my issue was the term critically acclaimed. Yeah, that was more the issue. Um, you know, no critics definitely have a place. In fact, I, I actually loved going back and watching the old ep- episodes of Siskel and Ebert. I don't know if you guys have done. It's really actually quite yeah. interesting to, to watch how they would work. They're fantastic. They're very entertaining, mm-hmm. and I really respect. While I don't always agree with with what they had said, um, you know. But uh, I, yeah, so my issue isn't with the critics themselves. I feel they're necessary. It was more with that with the terminology of uh, criti- the, that term critically yeah. acclaimed. I get it, but I think it's 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 a marketing term, right? Like, and you know, it's something yeah, that is useful. It is. You know, if you have something that out there that that is you know you know widely regarded by critics, you know, I think it, it's useful to 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 say it um, and work as a marketing term. But um, but yeah, but I I definitely agree. I, I think you made a, you made a great point. Um, you know, cynic about you know. I think you you do sometimes you do need somebody that you can trust uh, that you can trust their opinion and know that okay, they said it's good. I can trust that it's good. Um, and but a lot of people do have agendas. All right, so I'm it's up. I'm up to um, me. And again, I got a weird question. Okay, share an experience where a piece of geekdom helped you through a tough time or influenced <laughs> a major decision in your life. You get stuck with a deep question. Yeah. Um, Share an experience where, I mean, I can't think of anything that helped me through a tough time. Um, 
influencing. I guess I could say influencing a major decision. Um, okay, so I, I I don't even know that. I guess the first thing that pops into mind right now is um, I, I've always wanted to write a comic. Um, I've always wanted. Well, so, so it's like I always wanted to write a book, or I should say, I have a, a story that I I have very long been working on for a very long time. Um, and so at some point I decided I wanted to write a comic and, but I didn't have any of that motivation. And so my, one of my favorite geek pop culture podcasts is, uh, the fat man beyond podcast, which is Kevin Smith and, and, uh, Mark Bernardin and listening to them. There was one day and, and it was actually cool. I got to tell Kevin Smith this, but basically, um, in one episode he was, um, they were talking about somebody had asked a similar question, like, you know, what do I, you know, how do I get started? What do I do if, you know, if I, if I feel like I'm not good or I feel inadequate or I don't have the, you know, I don't have the skills or I'm comparing myself to other people. And he said something, it was, it was just like, like, tell the story that you want to, you know, like, tell the story that only you can tell, which that, like, clicked something for me, because it was like, you know, no matter how good I am, or how many, ba- how good I am, or no matter how much better anybody else is than me, right, if I, I could watch, read a million comics and say, that's amazing, that's amazing, that's amazing, nobody's going to be able to tell the story that I have in my head the way that I want to tell it, for, for better or worse, mm-hmm. uh, and so if I ever feel like I'm not, like, good enough, or, or if I get in that mindset of trying to compare myself, I always kind of think, go back to that. Like nobody can tell that story. And, and for me, the goal is not to become a millionaire or for mil- everyone to read my story. It's just like, I just want, just want to tell my stories. And that was a big moment for me. Cause that just, that kind of disconnected any feeling of, of, uh, you know, inadequacy or, or not being ready or not being good enough because it was like, no, I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm the only person that can do this. It's in my head, only my head. And that's, that's helped me along the way. So I guess a roundabout way to say something that's influenced because over the last couple of years, I've been very focused on creating stuff. Like I just finished a comic um, that's going to, that should be released. Well, you know, I just sent it to print and it should be delivered and physically in my hands in a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks. Um, and that was no easy feat <laughs> to get that done. Um, you know, working on an audio drama right now, you know, I've got several things that I'm working on and it's like, yeah, I'm going to put the money and time into this because I just want to do it and nobody else is going to be able to do it. But, you know, but uh, so, so I think that was something that I would say has been a major influence on my life. So, uh, cynic discuss a popular piece of geekdom that you've never resonated with. Uh, Harry right, Potter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Got through maybe the first movie, started watching the second. You know, it was at uh, uh, gunpoint, so to speak, because I was in the uh, relationship with somebody that was hugely into Harry Potter, and uh, she got me to watch the first one. And luckily, we broke up before we watched any more of them. But uh, it was always her uh, point of contention that I had been through the Harry Potter lands at Universal yeah. several times, and she would get upset every single time that I had gone because. I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah. I don't know what I'm experiencing. So uh, it was always fun to kind of rub it in and send her pictures of, <laughs> oh, there's me near the fountain or station yeah. or something, owls, w- witchcraft. Uh, yeah. So Harry Potter and uh, Twilight. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to one-up you. What? On on uh, the hot take of, of what I've never – because like, Harry Potter is big. Yeah, huge. Right, um, I'm I'm going for the granddaddy of them all. Though, what of what Don't I've do never it? resonated with? With to say it, you know what it is, right? Yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> there, I said it. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be cynics like uh, I don't know if we can be friends. <laughs> be a rough podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll come back to that because we got we have, we have some stuff, some stuff. Oh yeah, that's a good that's that's a good one for the future. All right. What about you? Um, I mean, it's, I, I would probably say Harry Potter is is, is definitely something that I've, I've I've not resonated with. But I mean, there's a ton of stuff like that that's there that I just never got into. Um, but yeah, I'd say Harry Potter is like the big pop culture thing that I can think of. That I've I've been to the musical. I've I've seen some of the movies. I fell asleep during the last one. Like, you know, it's just uh, not yeah, not yeah. not for me. I've never been too into it either. All right, uh, Justin. Okay, so we got two more questions. We got one more question for you, Justin, and then we got um, we'll have our little last question for the three of us. So, uh, what's a movie or TV show that you've watched many times and are still entertained by? I mean, there, 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 there's so many of them. I'm thinking of like, what's the one that 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 pops? <laughs> I don't know why that, that for me, but I'll just give you a quick one. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Okay, you can finish. <laughs> really? Huh. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'll go. Uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of going retro with with this. Um, I'm gonna say the movie Robocop. Oh, that's good. That's a good pull. 
I, I love that movie when it when I first saw it, even though it was probably highly inappropriate yeah. for me to see it as a six year old. <laughs> but um, I loved it then, and it's sort of one of those things that um, I, I don't I, I don't scroll through cable anymore, like because you just don't. There's no reason to do it. But whenever I did. In in the in the in the past, I, whatever it was on, I would always watch it and enjoy it. Or if ever like YouTube decides that, uh, and it probably will now after you know after after hearing me talk about it, I'll, I'm sure that clips will start appearing. But you know, I always enjoy going through. You know, if if it ever comes out in the algorithm, I'll always watch a yeah. clip on it. Or and I love to read what people have to say, so it has a lot of uh, has a lot of rewatchability, and uh, you know, and I enjoy it. All right. And then last question. So, Cynic, I'll, I'll start with you. Why do you think it's become cool to be a geek? I don't know. Probably for the same reasons it's become cool to become a OnlyFans creator or a porn star. <laughs> People just love flesh, baby. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not talking about boobs and, and TNA. I'm talking about the the guts yeah. hanging out from under your T-shirts. I mean, you go to Comic-Con and... Uh, no, nah, I, I mean... I think it's just one of these uh, niche fads that, uh, you know, is swung around. Everybody wants to be a part of everything at one time or another. And um, I think it's the availability of product with the Internet and YouTube. And everybody gets to experience it more where us uh, poor souls needed to drag our asses into a comic book store to experience it at the beginning. And um, that's that's probably why I, I think it's it's reaching a broader audience, so it has the ability to resonate with more yeah. people. Yeah, it's good. I think there's several other ways to look at it. Like I feel like in in some ways it's like our modern kind of mythology. Uh, it's also like we, you know, I don't know if it's just that we we have so much, especially in our society, or if it's just that as a culture, like we export, you know, pop culture and pop culture and nostalgia seem to be, you know, just the biggest things in, in our worlds and, and in our world now. And I think, yeah, I guess with, with the internet, with being able to access, have access to everything and anything, nostalgia becomes such a big thing that, that it, it's like, we are all into what we were into when we were young. And I guess the, yeah, the question is, why is it cool to have a bunch of toys you know, like, why is it okay for, you know, like, why has it become cool to, to kind of be a, a geek? And uh, one thing I did here, I was listening, I was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Is like that all the guys that write all of, all of our favorite shows all played D and D like when they were kids. And so it's kind of like an extension <laughs> of that, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pose that to you, Justin. Why do you think it's become cool to be a geek? I th- I think that uh, I'm going to look at it in, in a practical way that, yeah, obviously a lot of the, the writers and the creators are, are all, um, grew up with that sensibility but i think that the um the the powers that be the evil empires said wait a minute there's there's money in this so we have to make it sexy and that's exactly what they did so how do you make uh, dungeons and dragons sexy game of thrones how do you make um you know sorcery magic sexy harry potter which in a weird way it, it is um you know how do you um how how do you take these things that were sort of like geeky and outcasty and make it sexy and make it cool for massive consumption well that's how you do it you get good looking actors you make it either uber violent you make it very clever you have you know you put big budgets behind it uh and and that's exactly what happened and now everyone, you know, has sort of jumped on the band with yeah. that was like sort of outcast. He's like, oh, stuff you, you know, it's like, oh, you were, you, you know, you got beat up in school for that. It's like, well, now everyone's into that. Even, you know, you know, and there's there's so much of it, like, you know, like anime. I remember when we were kids, it was sort of like, you know, people who were into that, that was, you know, their sort of thing. Now it's, it's, you know, obviously it, it, it took new levels with, with, with Pokemon and um, it just, it, it, you know, it exploded from there and became sexy and cool. And so, you know, that's, you know, that's it. And then, and you, you and then comes the franchises and then comes everything. And yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's how you do it. Cool. Oh, that's, that's fair. Good answer. You put the machine behind yeah. it. So, well, <laughs> Awesome. I mean, I, I, of course, I would like to thank ChatGPT for a combination of questions that were some were interesting, some Justin hated, some were deep, um, but a, but a solid solid start. Uh, but you know, hopefully, we won't have too many ChatGPT run uh, episodes in the future. Although it would be funny if we had our if we had ChatGPT write the AI episode. 
you know, like would, would it would it would it paint itself in a good light? Um, would it actually ask the real moral, you know, questions uh, or hard hitting questions of itself? Um, that starts getting very yeah, meta. Very meta. Right, so this is a lot of fun. So you, uh, this, this is really awesome. So, Justin, until next time, watch out for the hole. <laughs>